Welcome to the Indigenous United podcast with your hosts, Sierra, Atea, and Alexi. This is a podcast about issues important to us as Indigenous students at UC Berkeley. Welcome back to the Indigenous United podcast. This is our last episode in our three-part series on NAGPRA. In previous episodes, we learned what NAGPRA is and how it has been implemented throughout the country. Now we want to turn to the history of NAGPRA here at UC Berkeley. We'll present a chronological order of events based on archival research and interviews with those familiar with this history. Our approach to the subject of NAGPRA was intended to demystify the history of the Hearst Museum and bring light onto why it has taken the university so long and still has yet to repatriate the majority of their collections. We reached out to several experienced faculty, staff, and alumni on NAGPRA's implementation and did our own research, but were struck by how difficult it was to collect information on NAGPRA to answer our questions. A lot of the folks we reached out to were hesitant to discuss this topic publicly and didn't want their interview to be included on the podcast. We believe this is because many of the actors involved in this history are still professors at UC Berkeley. We struggled with how to talk about this. We thought about our potential ancestors trapped in basements and those of our friends and relatives. We balked at the ability and ease others seem to have when discussing this issue. It's not easy for us. It is deeply unsettling and unspeakably horrific. We start this history by sending prayers and thoughts to those ancestors and their families. We hope to honor you and hold you in deep respect as we speak of the events keeping you caged. Later in this podcast, we'll discuss our reactions and experiences as current Native students who saw throughout Berkeley's records what feels like repetitive holdups and no serious initiatives being sustained longer than a few years. The implementation of the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act, referred to as NAGPRA, at UC Berkeley has largely been confined to activity within the Phoebe A. Hearst Anthropology Museum. As we've learned from Melanie and Shannon, the Hearst has the third largest number of unreturned ancestors in the country, after the Tennessee Valley Authority and the Smithsonian, the vast majority of which were taken from present-day California. The museum currently holds over 9,595 ancestors. Of this total, over 9,000 were taken from present-day California, and more than 2,000 come from Alameda County alone. In addition, the university also holds more than 122,000 sacred belongings and funerary objects. As you'll see through this timeline, university professors were determined to keep ancestors for study. They reasoned that the ancestors in their possession were not affiliated with present-day tribes and were thus culturally unidentifiable. Over 86% of ancestors were categorized this way, allowing the museum to continue to retain them. While there are a handful of bad actors who made these decisions, the blame is not simply on these individuals. There were museum directors, Berkeley chancellors, and the UC presidents who continued to allow these processes to continue and are responsible for the museum's sordid history. By not culturally identifying the ancestors in their possession, the Hearst put the onus on tribes to first determine whether the museum had their ancestor and if so, provide extensive documentation to prove their cultural connection before the museum would repatriate. The museum's excessive requirements have drawn out the repatriation process over years. One case actually took over 14 years to complete. 
Many tribes lack basic funding to operate their cultural preservation offices and do not have the time, energy, or staff to fight with the museum for return of their ancestors and sacred belongings. The history of NAGPRA generally is one of Native American activism, and that story is no different here at Berkeley. After struggling to bring ancestors home from the Hearst, California Natives lobbied the state government to intervene. The university is finally starting to change its position on repatriation, but these positive changes have not happened because anthropologists had a change of heart. California Natives fought long and hard for these changes, and they have been mandated because of this activism. In 2020, the Hearst repatriated six claims. However, they have only repatriated at a rate of one claim per year in recent years. But how did these ancestral remains become the largest collection next to the Smithsonian? Beginning in the 1800s, anthropologists believed their field of study permitted them to dig up graves and take everything they found, including Native American ancestors. Their logic was that Native Americans were a dying and disappearing race, and that white Europeans needed to collect and preserve our cultures. They operated by white supremacist notions that we were an inferior race, lacking any legal standing to protect our families' graves. And finally, this practice was rooted in the settlers' deep desire to possess. In the same way they took our lands, they felt entitled to our bodies. They reasoned that our bodies were needed for science. Craniologists measured our skulls and used fabricated pseudoscience to justify their white supremacist actions and beliefs. The collection of remains and belongings ramped up at the end of the 19th century. In 1875, hungry for more possessions, UC Berkeley posted flyers soliciting the general public to find and collect ancestors and belongings and bring them to the university. This resulted in widespread amateur gatherers combing through California to search for our sacred belongings and the museum director to boast that the Hearst held, quote, the largest collection of Californian Indian material in the world, end quote. We believe this sentiment is probably still true today. After tremendous indigenous activism around the issue, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act was passed in 1990 prompting the university to compile summaries of their holdings. The 1990s were a decade of the museum dragging their feet, deprioritizing federal NAGPRA requirements and requesting extension after extension. In April 1991, the UC president, Gardner, established a UC-wide policy in response to NAGPRA legislation. All UC schools had to make an inventory of remains and funerary objects. UC schools were allotted five years to complete inventories in accordance with federal NAGPRA policy. This was a difficult task because the museum hadn't kept a good inventory of their holdings. In addition, many of the funerary objects which were found buried with ancestors had been separated from them and were now unidentifiable. Due to these instances, as well as the, a desire to not affiliate ancestors with present-day tribes, the Hearst Museum failed to meet the NAGPRA statutory deadline in 1995 for inventory completion and requested an extension. In 1998, Kent Lightfoot and Patrick Kirch were appointed interim acting co-directors. The museum yet again failed to complete the inventory and asked for another extension. This time it was denied and the museum finally completed the inventory in 2000. In a report, Director Kirch said that the museum was now in full compliance with NAGPRA. 
the 10-year period between 1990, when the act was passed, and 2000, when the university finally finished the inventory, was marked by a lack of urgency in complying with NAGPRA. Biannual reports from the museum demonstrate that NAGPRA was not a top priority for the museum during this period. When the inventory was finally completed, museum leadership viewed it as being in compliance with NAGPRA without understanding the need to actually repatriate. This was accomplished in large part because many of those working on NAGPRA were of the belief that most of the remains in their possession were not related to present-day tribes. Thus, they designated 86% of the remains as culturally unidentifiable, meaning that they couldn't be repatriated to tribes for a proper burial. The university continued to use these ancestors in research and teaching. In 2001, California passed their own NAGPRA policy, often referred to as CalNAGPRA, requiring state-run institutions with ancestors to complete an inventory of remains by 2003. The bill was designed to identify items for repatriation and would incur penalties on institutions that did not meet its requirements. It also provided a mechanism for California tribes without federal recognition to submit repatriation claims to state agencies, including university campuses. The five years following the passing of this legislation are sparsely documented. With Kirch announcing full compliance with NAGPRA in 2000, we believe that the museum did not work on repatriation during this period. Documentation picks back up in 2006 with the appointment of Larry Fredericks as the interim NAGPRA coordinator. Larry was Athabascan and received her PhD at Berkeley, where she worked closely with the Native community. From 2006 to 2007, the NAGPRA unit included three Native Americans, including Fredericks, and worked closely with tribes to repatriate. A year later, in 2007, museum director Kent Lightfoot brought in two white anthropologists to conduct a review of the NAGPRA unit. The findings of this report resulted in the disbanding of Fredericks and her NAGPRA unit. Fredericks and the tribe she had worked with have asserted that this decision was made because they were too successful in repatriation, and that they were disbanded because the white anthropologists wanted to keep ancestors for study. The uproar from this decision garnered attention to the thousands of ancestors being held by the Hearst and led to a student protest around the issue led by Native student organizations. The protesters demanded to meet with then-Chancellor Bernieu to discuss the issue, but the Chancellor refused to meet with them. This wave of pushback against the Hearst culminated in a 2008 Senate committee hearing on the termination of Frederick's NAGPRA unit. This period is one of the first to gain massive media attention, with reports in the LA Times and Indian Country Today on the university's actions. Additionally, the protest was one of the first we found record of that marks the beginning of student activism around the issue. The university often defers responsibility for wrongdoing to the Hearst, pointing at its anthropologists as the problem. However, the Chancellor's refusal to meet with students demonstrates that the problem ran much deeper than just the Hearst. Responsibility for these issues lies with the university as a whole, and numerous chancellors refuse to address or prioritize repatriation. From 2009 to 2013, one of the numerous strategies the museum utilized to hold on to ancestors and not repatriate was to classify them as culturally unaffiliated, meaning that they were unable to link the ancestor with a present-day tribe to repatriate. These anthropologists held that present-day tribes originated elsewhere and were thus not connected to the ancestors in their possession. This line of thinking goes directly against tribal creation stories, which explain 
that they were created in their homeland, not that they crossed a land bridge between continents. NAGPRA compliance is supposed to take tribal traditions into account. However, the anthropologists at the Hearst did not. This issue was further exacerbated by the fact that many tribes in California, where the majority of the ancestors are from, are not federally recognized. Federal recognition has a long history, but basically means that the federal government doesn't view the tribe as a sovereign nation. Many tribes, such as the Ohlone here in the East Bay, once had recognition but lost it after anthropologists, in this case, Alfred Krober, claimed that they were extinct. Unrecognized tribes are not any less indigenous or sovereign. They are still intact and have governmental systems in place. The U.S. government simply doesn't recognize their sovereignty, and anthropologists at the Hearst saw this as a barrier to repatriation. Ultimately, anthropologists did not want to give up the ancestors in their possession because they continued to do research on them. In 2010, updated federal NAGPRA regulations were issued to address this culturally unidentifiable issue. The new regulation allowed tribes to claim remains based on geographical considerations of the tribe's Aboriginal territory. Meaning that all the possessing agency had to do to repatriate was to geographically identify where the ancestor was taken from, identify whose homelands it was, and repatriate to that tribe. In the past, when tribes would make a claim on an ancestor, the burden was on the tribe to prove that it was their ancestor. The university had a particularly egregious history of this, in some cases, dragging claims out over 14 years, asking for more and more evidence. The new regulations sought to shift this burden of proof to the possessing agency to prove their right of possession. Professors across the UC, including anthropologist Timothy White here at UC Berkeley, stood in strong opposition to the new rule. White even wrote public comments on the draft rule, arguing that the cultural affiliation to a present-day tribe was necessary for repatriation. He and other professors banded together and filed a lawsuit against the university for its repatriation of Kumie ancestors found at a UC San Diego chancellor's house in La Jolla, arguing that the remains were not Native American within the meaning of NAGPRA because they were not affiliated with a, quote, presently existing tribe, unquote. The UC had repatriated the remains based on geographic affiliation. The scientists lost because the court ruled that the Kumie tribes were a necessary party in the suit, protected by sovereign immunity. White believes that the ancestors are more important as scientific objects of study rather than their humanity. In interviews, he has said, quote, it turns out that the human skeleton, indeed the skeleton of any mammal, is a very good guide at the animal's life. It is a holistic study, just like a crime scene investigation. But these are very cold cases with very ancient evidence, unquote. In an interview about the lawsuit, White said, quote, administrators are doing everything they can to ignore the scientific value of the specimens. They are trying to illegally repatriate them to a lobbyist for a dozen San Diego County tribes, unquote. The opinions of White and other professors and the degree to which they sought to maintain possession of ancestors demonstrate the problems that have plagued the university's ability to repatriate. These professors are so used to depending on science to justify the violence of white supremacy, they filed a lawsuit in its honor. 
The belief that the ancestors' humanity outweighs any scientific contribution is still an issue for some. In the past, the NAGPRA committee consisted of like-minded anthropologists who didn't see the harm in their research on ancestors and viewed repatriation as a crime against the scientific enterprise. In 2016, a tribe requested the repatriation of a child's remains in the Hearst collection, but the museum had lost the remains 20 years prior and neglected to notify the tribe. According to a 2020 California Auditor report, the tribe wrote a letter to campus stating that the fact that the remains were missing was deeply distressing for its community because not only was the grave of a child violated, but the child's remains could be lost in a closet, attic, or desk drawer of a researcher. UC Berkeley is not the only institution that has lost remains. In their inventories between 1990 and 2000, UCLA, Davis, and Berkeley all recorded missing remains, yet UC Berkeley was the only university that failed to document and notify affiliated tribes of the 180 missing or lost ancestors. This was largely due to the poor management decades in the past. For instance, UC Berkeley did not keep track of remains and artifacts that were loaned out between the 1920s and 1960s and had even allowed unrestricted access to researchers at one time. Due to the lobbying efforts of California tribes and the delays they experienced with repatriation at Berkeley, in 2018, California's NAGPRA was amended through Assembly Bill 2336. This bill was designed to cover gaps in federal NAGPRA, such as repatriation to federally unrecognized tribes and address discrepancies regarding NAGPRA repatriation across campuses. It requires the UC to establish a cross-campus NAGPRA Implementation and Oversight Committee, which is overseen by the Native American Heritage Commission, and caused a shift in the campus NAGPRA committee to include three university members and three tribal members, one of whom must be from a non-federally recognized tribe. This was a very positive change because the previous committee had been comprised of anthropologists affiliated with the Hearst, who had a vested interest in maintaining the collection and slowing repatriation. The bill is meant to initiate more tribal involvement in campus NAGPRA proceedings and require the creation of a new NAGPRA policy. In June of last year, a state audit report revealed gross non-compliance with NAGPRA at Berkeley. Berkeley had only repatriated 19% of the ancestors it was holding. The audit mentions that in one instance, UC Berkeley allowed a claim to sit idle for 17 months without a follow-up. UC Berkeley was the only campus reviewed that asked for additional documentation and evidence from tribes. In some cases, the campus did not weigh oral histories and geographical data as much as evidence from technical specialists. Therefore, in order to prove that the tribe has a right to the artifacts, tribes have had to fund technical specialists to navigate UC Berkeley databases and evaluate the sites and collections. NACPRA stipulates that tribal knowledge should be given equal weight to the scientific knowledge, but Berkeley was not following this. One month after the audit, UC President Janet Napolitano issued an apology about the UC's actions and her office issued an interim NAGPRA policy. Napolitano pledges that the university will comply with the spirit as well as the legal requirements of NAGPRA and Cal NAGPRA.
The interim policy incorporates equal UC and tribal representation on committees, transparency during consultation, a revaluation of previous determinations of culturally unidentifiable human remains or associated funerary objects, as well as an acknowledgement of the value of oral history as evidence. Linda Rugg, Vice Chancellor for Research, said that the new policy forbids research and teaching on any Native American ancestors without the permission of the tribe, and that the policy policy will work for federally unrecognized tribes. Another of these changes includes a requirement that Native Americans' voices be present in the NAGPRA committee. Around the same time as Napolitano's apology, Tom Torma was appointed the NAGPRA liaison at the Hearst. Since then, they have repatriated 12 cases. There are three transfers waiting, three on the calendar, five notices published on Federal Register, and three notices submitted to National Park Service waiting publication. There is a new policy being drafted to standardize the process of repatriation across the UC system. It was drafted in coordination with California tribes. In March of this year, the policy was released for comments. The goal of the policy is complete repatriation. In conclusion, as we've mentioned, UC Berkeley and its VBA Hearst Museum stores one of the country's largest collections of Native American remains and funerary objects. In the 30 years since NAGPRA was passed, Berkeley has only repatriated 19% of the ancestors it is holding, the lowest percentage of the audited UC campuses. For comparison, UCLA has returned almost all of its artifacts, and while their collection was much smaller than Berkeley's, the university allocated a budget, staff, and resources toward repatriating its collection. Conversely, UC Berkeley currently only has one person doing repatriation work. The museum would need a budget of $1 million, a team of 40 specialists, and at least one year to update their records due to the various off-campus sites. The current chancellor, Chancellor Carol Christ, has expressed a commitment to the issue, however has yet to identify funding for the budget. After doing the research and compiling this timeline, Atea and I had several responses and largely were frustrated with the lack of data collection and management. Yeah, and a quote that's really stuck with me is from Shannon. She said that there are probably more Native Americans stored in the basements of the Hearst than there are students attending. And I did some fact checking to see if this was accurate. And of course, it's true. There are over 9,594 ancestors held by the Hearst. And in 2018, there were only 195 Native American students enrolled at Berkeley. This means that only 2% of the Native Americans on campus are alive and there to learn. The rest have been trapped in Hearst basements because of white settler anthropologists' excessive desire to own, control, and study them. Guantamuca scholar Eileen Morton Robinson has termed these modes of rationalization white possessive logics, a process by which whiteness operates to own and dominate lands and peoples in order to construct itself as the pinnacle of its own racial hierarchy. We see this happening through the grave robbing of ancestors, the pseudoscience used to re-entrench white supremacy, and the refusal to acknowledge existing relationships between the ancestors in the museum, 
to those alive and requesting their return. UC Berkeley has continuous issues, such as not keeping records properly, which has resulted in the state of non-compliance and has even made their data not eligible to be fully audited like UCLA or UC Davis. Furthermore, there seems to be an overall lack of urgency in making repatriation not a priority. This behavior assumes that the violences of the museum is in the past and denies accountability in respect to active tribal communities and Native students, staff, and faculty on campus. When we have tribal oral histories and knowledge ready as evidence, the gaps in the data should not have to rely on racist anthropological documentation or the authoritative voices of individual academics. The committee at UC Berkeley still does not have equal representation between university and tribal members. It does not have the required number of members from a federally recognized California tribe or the one member of a California tribe that is not federally recognized, both of which are established by the CalNAGPRA policy. Yeah, that's a really good point. Anthropologists and museum curators have treated Indigenous ancestors as less than human for too long. The time is way overdue for the university to identify funding for their safe return home. We encourage all our listeners to write to Chancellor Christ and demand that she increase the budget for repatriation and hire additional staff. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope that this information helps understand more the context of NAGPRA here at Berkeley. We hope y'all have enjoyed this season of Indigenous United. We're going to be taking the rest of the summer off, but stay tuned for new episodes next school year. We want to thank everyone who did interviews with us and helped us gather information for this episode and Native American Student Development for always supporting us, as well as Superman for letting us use his song, Prayer Loop. <laughs>